Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 124. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by salon owner, hair styling line co-founder and mental health advocate Rachel Ringwood to discuss the dynamic of caring for your clients, family and friends, but also finding the time to fit yourself in the midst of all of that. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Looking forward to this episode, Zoe. I feel like it's been a good while that we've kind of touched off something like this, wouldn't you say? It's what, we're about like nine months ago since this topic has last come up? Yes, it actually came up with um, Aware, the charity in Ireland, but the type of episode that we're going to have today, it's probably, the last time we did this was probably with Jared Roberts when he shared his story about how he got started to work on fashion show events and fashion show weeks and stuff. So yeah, it should be, it should be really interesting. I know you were a bit nervous getting into this, been a long time since we've had this style of episode, but I'm uh, really excited for it. I suppose it's good to kind of mix it up a little bit, take it away from the uh, the usual structure. So we'll see how we go. But um, I have to say from the person that we have on the show, just the background that they have, I feel like we're going to be talking for ages, which is always great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I suppose without further ado, welcome to the show, Rachel. It's great to have you on. Um, I mean, I've been dying to get you on the show. You've known this. I've been kind of low-key stalking your stories for a little while now. (laughs) (laughs) You're awesome. (laughs) How are you today? Feeling good? I'm really good today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about this. I think it's important. I'm excited to share and have a conversation and just kind of bring awareness, not really stress out about it and just kind of enjoy the topic and kind of see where it goes from here. That's a great insight because we're stressing about stress about the episode. <laughs> yeah. no That's the irony of it. So the first time I came across you and your topic, I suppose, was at when you were at Hair Love Retreat. Um, I had heard about that retreat before because I know of Christina Cradle. And we've worked with her um, at the summit recently and stuff. So I knew she was there. And that's kind of how I came across your story. And uh, from there, I just was just like reeled in because I actually had recent chats with a friend of mine who's in the fitness industry and was struggling with the kind of same thing. You know, it's a people industry, you give to everyone else and then you kind of forget about yourself. And uh, she doesn't really know how to handle that. And, you know, we had like pretty deep conversations about it. So when I heard you talk about that, I was like, oh my God, this this is actually a thing. Like it's not just in one industry. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. It kind of seems like, you know, that uh, the mother effect, you know, when your mother is trying to take care of the kids, the husband, the kids, friends, everyone like that. And you just kind of take a step back and you don't realize this until you're a hell of a lot older that you're like, how did she do it? Oh, my gosh. My mom's a superwoman. I don't know how she does stuff like I still to this day. Again, like you said, the older you get, you're like, oh, my gosh. And it's one of those. They're like, I don't know. I just did it. You just do it. I suppose you've no real choice. But that's not always the case, though, in this industry, because you kind of do have a choice now, don't you? Yeah, we do. But we don't make the time for ourselves because I think in our industry, we have this old mentality that time is money. And if you are taking time away from yourself, you're losing money. So jumping into my career, I was mentored by a very awesome stylist. She was in California. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, Santa Monica. I recently live in Miami, Um, But I learned, got my license all through California, and I 
my mentor was so busy that we would work through lunch. And I thought, wow, she's making so much money. She's working through lunch. She's successful. That's what I want to do. And now I had this weird seed planted in my head that if I was a successful hairstylist, I'd be working 10 hours straight with no breaks. And I did that for a really long time until it really started to mentally mess me up. And then physically it caused an accident for me that really kind of made me real evaluate how intense this industry can be. So if I don't know if this is too personal, but like what exactly happened? What were the first kind of signs? Like even if it was just like mentally and then physically, what, how did you become aware of this? For sure. Okay. So I'll, I'll be honest with you guys and anyone who needs to hear it because I feel like it's really important. I've actually struggled with mental health for a really long time. Like probably as long as I can remember, I started having like really negative thoughts, maybe by the, like 11, 12, and then started doing poetry and then led to self-harm and other stuff that I couldn't express myself. Um, but I do believe that when I got into the industry, it went full force. When I found this career, it kind of found me because I got scouted to play college softball. I was not going to be in the hair industry. That was like a weird thing for me to tell my dad, like, hey, dad, I'm not going to play college softball, but I'm going to go to beauty school. Again, <laughs> growing up with like two brothers, two cousins that were all the same age as me. It was like, what, Rachel? Like, okay, that's a cute fave. And so I told him I want to go to beauty school and it was a life-changing experience for me. And I went to beauty school, knocked it out nine months and then got an apprentice program and I've been doing it ever since, but I haven't stopped. And I was so infatuated with growing and learning in this industry that I wasn't seeing it as a negative thing. I massively turned into a workaholic right away at the age of like 18. And I didn't care because all my friends were like in college and I was like doing my thing. But I didn't realize that I was working so many hours a day, so many weeks straight after months after months trying to grow a clientele and stay busy that I was like losing my mind. And I didn't know it because that's like what I was supposed to do. I was a people pleaser in a way. And all I wanted to do, build a clientele was like, oh, I'll come in early. I'll stay late. I'll eat, I'll work through my lunch break just to get more clients in until I actually moved cross country, moved to Miami. I moved to Miami because I met my husband on Instagram because he's a barber. It. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a weird, my whole story's weird, but I go with it. And that's the thing. You got to go with your story and your gut, you know? So I ended up in Miami and then fast forward, I was about, I worked at a salon to try to gain my clientele. Again, working through, working Sundays, working Mondays, any days I could. Um, I decided to open my salon, but when one day I came home from working and it was like a 12 hour day and I was cooking and it was like 1130 at night and out of nowhere, I fainted and hit my head on the floor and it was tile. So I knocked myself out and that was kind of the big game changer in my career. And that happened about two and a half years ago. And it changed my life, obviously, because it had to, it took me out of the salon for three and a half to six months. Jeez. And I was fighting to get back. Yeah, it was so gnarly. And I was fighting to get back into the salon faster. But then my I ended up developing vertigo because I, my, I had a hematoma on the side of my right head that was so massive. It was like the size of a grapefruit. And unfortunately, since I played sports in my past, this was my fifth concussion. And the doctor told me if I, I can't afford to have another concussion. So that made me scare the crap out of me, but also made me reevaluate. I cannot afford another head injury and I can't afford to be out of the salon for six months because we don't get paid time off. I, I lost clients. I had clients that were so sweet enough to be like, it's okay, I'll wait for you. But you know, that's inconvenient. So unfortunately, sometimes it scares hairstylists and it's me telling this story because it's like how much money you'll lose 
by not taking care of yourself instead of, yo, just wait for it to happen. You know, like that's why I'm trying to bring awareness to this because I do not want this to happen to anyone else. So how long were you kind of doing, I suppose, the rat race of doing your 12 hour days, seven days a week before you finally got to build your salon? And then what was the time frame before that accident? Because this would be quite a common scenario for anyone who's trying to get out there and build their own brand or business. Yeah, for anyone. Yeah, you're so right. Because nowadays we can work from home, we can work 24 hours and we won't give ourselves a break because we're the hustler mentality, you know? Um, A little snippet. So I worked in Los Angeles for about three years, left, moved to Miami. I worked in a salon for about eight months. And in that time, I grew a pretty solid clientele, but I was working a lot. Um, But you know what? I did use Instagram as my tool. So that is what really helped me bring my clients in. Unfortunately, I was in a very, very toxic environment. And I found that out after months of being there. But I was just trying to suck it up because I wanted to grow my clientele. Just kind of your funnel, your tunnel vision. Yeah, you can only see one result here. Yeah, and they would be, you know, like the owners would be screaming because they were like siblings and they would like scream at each other and then like toxic environment. And then I'd be like, okay, I just want to do hair. And you know, in Miami, everyone parties. So like when you finish your client at like 9, 30, 10, 11, it's like, okay, have a glass of wine. I'll meet you at the bar. We'll finish at like 5 a.m. and we'll do it again tomorrow. And I was like, I cannot do this. (laughs) And I was like trying to fit in, make friends, build a clientele, you know, like just trying to think of what I was trying to supposed to be doing. And I was 22 at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm young. I'm good, whatever. So I worked there for about eight months. Unfortunately, I couldn't handle it anymore because it started affecting my mental health and my emotions going into the salon. And that's really important for me because I really feel that your clients feel the energy of the shop. They feel the energy of you. They know if you're in a bad mood or if you're faking it. Like, you know, people are good people pleasers and will fake it till you make it. But people can just tell. They have those vibes. So I decided to leave. I actually rented a house and worked three months out of my house with my husband. He did the same thing. He left his barbershop and we tried this whole like his and hers concept. So he had a room and I had a room and people would come in through the back door (laughs) and we would both do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'd be like, all right, see you in the living room. (laughs) Yeah, it worked out. And so um, we did that for about three months and then we looked at each other. Again, we were just dating. This was like a year of me moving into Miami. And I'm like, do we need to like open a shop? And he's like, that's nuts. I was like, yeah, we should. (laughs) We we started looking at this concept of like, how do we make a barbershop salon? You know, like how do we both incorporate us in the same spot? So we started looking Craigslist, started looking at locations. We luckily found one. Um, So within about, about four months, we opened the shop renovate it, did everything ourselves, no grants or anything. We paid to open it ourselves. And we were really proud about that. Within a year, we moved back to California when I was 24. We decided to move there for a year and then we got married. And then we decided to move back to Miami to finish working on our business. But while we were in California, that's when the rat race really started because we opened a new shop. We had barbers there. We had stylists there, but we were traveling back to Miami every six weeks to do a full week of clientele. So We were a little more comfortable in California, but we were still coming back and doing the, okay, let's jam pack everybody we can 15 hours a day for seven days a week and then go back, relax for a week because we'd be so burnt out. And then we're like, okay, let's go back to Miami and really focus on our salon. So three months after me moving back, 12 hour days, 15 hour days, that's when I fainted was three months after me moving back full time. So it's been a jumble jumble, but 
it, my body definitely told me, yo, you need to take a break. Because that's the bit I was going to ask you next. You spent so long trying to build up a portfolio in Miami that then you went to California and I was going to be like, so was all of that for nothing? But obviously not because then you've added that stress of trying to do both. Yeah, of course, doing it to myself. I did it to myself, but I liked it. I didn't want to lose my clients in Miami, but it was one of those that I was like, we kind of wanted to see if we wanted to do a concept of having a his and hers in LA. And then it was like, I was there my whole life. And I, somewhere we really realized like, okay, this is a cool place to be, but it's not where we need to be in our life right now. So we enjoyed it moving back. And that's why we decided, okay, let's keep touching base. And luckily, like, we're very blessed. My husband's been doing hair for almost 10 years and he used to be in a band. So he would go on tour and he would cut people's hair on tour. So he has people he's been cutting for all those years. So we're really blessed that our clientele has kind of like stayed with us. Like I hadn't, when I moved to California, I had clients that would come back when I moved back that they'd be like, oh, I hadn't seen you in a year. I was just waiting for you to come home. And I'm like, not every hairstylist can say that, <laughs> you know? So I'm, we're very lucky in that aspect. So when did the whole Rachel's Reach initiative came about? Was that around the time that you were recovering? Was it like even in a thought process at the time you were recovering or was it afterwards? Um, I guess it was kind of all flowed into that. Like it all started when my head injury happened because I literally couldn't walk on my own for two weeks. I had such bad vertigo that my equilibrium was so off. And since I played sports, it was really hard for me to not be able to control my body and my mind. Like I was, my hand-eye coordination was amazing. And so for me to not be able to take two steps and just like, like, have you ever seen the video of like the fainting goat when it gets really excited and then it's just like, faint? <laughs> <laughs> that's like what happened to me. Like, and so my doctor told me I have this weird, cause we don't know why I fainted. Like I don't have anything in my body. I'm not, I'm really healthy. Thank God. But it was one day I literally was cooking and I was like, oh, I don't feel good. And I went, Bleh, and I just fell. And so the doctor thinks it was an adrenaline rush that my adrenaline went so high that there's a chemical in your body that's supposed to stop your adrenaline from happening. But that just didn't happen. So my, my blood pressure and stuff just went through the roof and I just fell. So it was something of like, why did it happen? Is this happening for a reason? What is this trying to tell me? What is the lesson? But again, this is where I come back to my mental health because I've unfortunately and fortunately have been going through so much therapy in my life. Like I used to self-harm. I had an eating disorder. I was unfortunately in the psych ward because I attempted suicide. So I've done a lot of therapy in my life that has made me reevaluate things. And I try to look at things for a reason or what is it trying to tell me? And I feel like this fainting episode was a huge pivot point in my life that I either go with it in a direction of me being like, oh my God, pity me. I can't believe this happened. I'm never going to be okay. I'm disabled. Like, you know, like something's wrong with me. Or I can be like, huh, this is forcing me to step away from the chair and look at a different perspective. And that's what I chose to do. But it was really hard because I like couldn't even, couldn't even stand. So I was like, how am I going to work behind the chair if I'm bending weird ways and my posture's horrible and I'm getting dizzy if I'm turning my head to the right. So it made me really, really think I cannot be alone in this. There are other hairstylists who have been doing hair for 30 years and they are still chilling behind the chair. You know, like there are ways to preserve your body, preserve your strength, your mentality, your energy. And like, how do we figure that out? And that's when I realized I was like, okay, nobody is really talking about this. And then I just started doing it more for myself and then realized how important all of it comes together. Your mental, your emotional, your physical and spiritual or whatever, you know, like you have to be in tune with yourself before you give 
everything to your client. We give everything to our client. We'll spend six, seven, eight hours on a color correction and we won't even give ourselves a half an hour for lunch. It's like, oh, I have two minutes for coffee. It's like, that's not a lunch. Yeah, yeah. If anything, it just gets your heart beating way faster anyways. <laughs> yeah, and that's when Miss Inception hairstylists are perfect. I could fit like three more people. <laughs> yeah. So what did these next steps look like for you then, Rachel? You said you had those two weeks, which I kind of find funny because if anyone else was told that they to sit at home and do nothing for two weeks, you would definitely take that for granted. You would be Netflix binging like I don't know what. But it definitely doesn't sound like this is how you spent your two weeks. No. And well, it was hard because I thought like, okay, two weeks, I'm back to the salon. Like two weeks, I couldn't even walk. And my husband was like, dude, like I felt like a toddler. It was the weirdest thing. And it was, it was so hard because it was such an intensive brain injury that I was supposed to be in a dark room, dark silence, no voice, no hearing, nothing. So I was like, like migraine. yes. And it was so yeah. hard for me to like be in solitude and be with my own thoughts. And in my past, that's not usually the best thing. So it forced me to be comfortable with myself in a way. But yeah, after a few weeks, I tried to go back to work and I couldn't even stand the lights in my salon. I couldn't stand the hearing. I had this constant ringing in my ears and my eyes would be super shifty. So I always had to wear glasses. Um, but I did try to go back into the salon. Like I, I tried to go back to the salon maybe a month later for one client. And I got so dizzy, I had to stop in between. And it was really hard for me. And I said, okay, this is something I need to figure out. And that's when I said, I need to figure out something that I can do before my day or after my day to help recover. But in this point, again, I had no hand-eye coordination. I would like stand up and just like teeter-totter. So I said, I need to find a workout that I can start regaining my strength again. And that's where yoga came into it. Yeah, it's always a big advocate for yoga. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I never did yoga before. Again, like growing up, like yoga was only for flexible people. My mom was a dancer, ballerina. So I'm like, mom, you do the yoga. I'm going to go on a run. Like that's not for me. I'm not flexible. That's not so that, that would be me and Zoe. Zoe would be yoga. I'd be wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have a similar path. I was a softball player as well. So it was just like softball, soccer, you know, football and all of that. And I was like, no, no, no yoga for me. No, no, yeah, no. That's same, not going to work. Same. I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's like, almost like, nah, that's not for me. And it was one of those things that I, I was like, I'm not going to sit on my bed forever because then weeks turned into longer. And then I was freaking out. So I said, I couldn't even like stand with my arms straight because I would fall over. So I was like, oh crap, maybe this is exactly what I need to do because it's so challenging. And so that's how I kind of started getting my equilibrium back is starting doing yoga. And like, they actually say like with head injuries, like it, they're very specific, but where, where my head injury hit, it was the top right quadrant of my head and it affects like emotions, creativity and mental. So memory. And so I've struggled with that, but again, it's weird. It's reverted me back to old mental issues. So I had to catch myself and then do yoga to help me connect my mind and my body. And then that's where I realized like hairstylists are like in our heads all the time. And yes, in our body, cause it's such a routine, but we're not doing it purposefully or intentionally. Yeah, it's just a habit. You know, you know what you're doing, so you're kind of like on the same train every day. Yeah, until our bodies are like, oh, my shoulder's dying or my wrists are hurting or I have carpal tunnel. And it's like, well, why do we have to wait till it gets so bad? You know, like I always thought that we should have had, and I know people talk about posture, cutting and stuff, but like it's too, it's past the point. Like we, I always say we do not want our body to burn out before our passion does because I would be heartbroken. And it made me heartbroken when I couldn't do hair for a few months. And then I realized I was like, I'm only 25 and this is happening to me. I need to figure this out. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you were so young. Like, yeah. Younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> that was a few years ago, though. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so listen, I know at the time, I think I've seen this on a story or something. Again, you wanted to speak out about this, and now that's what you're doing. You know, I've seen you on many podcasts. You're at Hair Love Retreat, which... I mean, I wasn't there personally, but from what I saw, you got amazing feedback from that. And you also spoke recently uh, with Nike. So what exactly is Rachel's Reach? Is it just you bringing awareness to this topic, talking about it? Or do you have like, I know you taught yoga at Hair Love. So do you do that for hairstylists particularly? Like, what is it in Globe like? I know it's such a crazy, it's like, honestly, It was kind of a play on words because I created this, when I first did it, I was thinking of hairstylists and I came up with this hashtag stretch to sheer. So like stretch your body so you cut hair, you know? And so that's kind of where I was going with that. And then I thought like Rachel's reach, it's me reaching out to people about this topic, but then it's also reaching and stretching your body, you know? So it's kind of all a full circumference of like a bunch of stuff in one, but I feel like it's honestly just the beginning because I want to branch out with so many different things, but I do believe it's mental, physical, it's, it's bringing awareness to yourself. But I also feel like I do not want to be a life coach and being like, these are the top 10 tips you need to make your life better. You know, you can go on YouTube, you can look that up. I want to bring awareness to making like, almost like, Hey, look in the mirror. What do you need on a daily basis? You know, like you need to look in, like, I can't give you those answers because It's like the best example I can say, say like you need to make time for yourself. Okay. 10 minutes a day. Okay. I'll tell you both to go run again. What if one of you hates running? You're going to be in misery every single day, you know? So it's like, you have to find things that make you really happy. And I always say like life, yes, it's like a balance, but I think of that as like a teeter totter, you know, it's not necessarily the best thing. You have to kind of find a rhythm or a flow. So I always believe, my dad always taught me it was important for something to look forward to. Always have something on your books to look forward to. But I feel like on a daily basis as a hairstylist or in the beauty industry, we'll work so hard until that day that it's counteractive. So I feel like we need to incorporate little pieces of paradise on a daily basis so we don't hit that burnout. And then we're like, I'm done doing hair or I'm going to take a year off or I'm going to go binge and do this. You know, it's like hairstylists are very creative people. And we tend to have issues with that, you know, but we have to figure out things that work for ourselves individually. But I feel like this movement or whatever I'm trying to do, I want to just share my story and I want other people to be comfortable sharing their stories and for all of us to kind of come together and bring this unity together of that hairstylists are powerful people and we have the ability to make people feel beautiful outside, but why aren't we trying to educate them on the inside health too and beauty? Like in my salon, I don't have any gossip magazines. There's nothing in that. I have coloring books. I have meditation books. I have like weird Zodiac stuff. I have a Rubik's cubes. I have like things that like get you out of your head and get off your phone. Because when I started doing hair, it was like, okay, grab a magazine. It's like your phone wasn't your thing. Now it's like, oh no, I have my phone. It's like, no, but like get off it for a minute. You know, like just be in your, this is your time. Cause that's the thing. They're booking an appointment for them to take care of themselves. Right. They're doing, Oh, I want to look beautiful. I want to feel good in the salon. I want someone to pamper me. So it's like, but you're still touched into your own reality of like, God forbid, scrolling endlessly on Instagram and like mesmerized by people in Fiji, you know, like being comparing yourself. Yes. And that's the most, 
detrimental thing nowadays is like everyone is so cool <laughs> and we're trying to be like everyone else. You know, it's like so bogus in a way. Like you have to be yourself and be confident in yourself. It takes years, of course, to figure that out, but it takes a step and one step is the best step, baby steps. And that's kind of where I'm at is I've been wanting to talk about this topic for years now. And unfortunately it took a massive injury for me to be comfortable enough to talk about it. But that's where I'm at now is like reaching out to anyone who wants to talk about this or wants to be open-minded about it because there are a lot of people that aren't still, but the people who are, it's important and it's necessary for us to take care of ourselves as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like coming back to what I said, at the very, very start, there's so many people who experience this, but are so afraid to talk about it that they just kind of live with it, but live uncomfortably with it. Um, Bury it deep down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And I think it's so important the work that you're doing at the moment. I was watching um, Ellen DeGeneres Relatable, the Netflix special. Again, another special, right? Um, but she was saying, you know, it, it was interesting because she was saying like. There's so many things like for her, like coming out, um, you know, it just took a whole lot. And then she's like, there's no representation. Like we need to talk about this. Otherwise, how are we going to ever bring awareness to this issue? And it's the same thing in all of these different topics that are hard to talk about. Like someone needs to step up and actually start that movement. And I think you're doing a great job at that at the moment, really. Well, thank you. I think like, like almost like a tie into what you said, like thinking about it now, I started with my clients. It all started with my clients in my own little community because I wasn't a person that I'm like, oh, I'm going to fake it. I'm going to try to reach a thousand people. Like it was like, no, I need to start locally in my own space. So I would ask my clients like, Hey, what do you feel like you need to do? What do you like to do on your day off? What, do, what makes you happy? You know? And that's when I started getting rid of the magazines or I started talking about topics and almost like testing it with my clients of like opening up myself because I, I've been going through this for such a long time. And I wanted to talk about mental health, but I've gotten so much rejection from it. And then I've been like, no, I'm not ready to talk about it. But I started with my clients and it wasn't like, because clients are their time, you know, you're not going to be a stylist that spills all your beans on them. Cause then that's not as the opposite of what I'm trying to say. But I remember this topic one day, a few months after my head injury, someone came in and was started talking about cutting. And I usually would not talk about it. And unfortunately that's what I struggled with a lot. And she was talking about her niece and in a very negative way about, oh, she's doing it for attention. Oh, that's all she's doing. And I stopped her and I said, just to bring awareness, like, hey, this is my story. This is what happened to me, but I never did it for like my own reasons. I didn't do it for attention. Not everybody does it for attention. She goes, wait, what? You struggled with that? And I said, yeah, I'm open to talk. I'll talk to her if you want me to. And that's kind of where it started, where her and I have had a deeper connection because I feel like she said I helped her niece in a way because they could communicate in a yeah. way. And I was like, wow, okay. Instead of just making our clients beautiful on the inside, like outside, like let's try to make them feel okay on the inside too, or whatever they need to talk about. So my salon, it's very one-on-one. I sit and talk. It's like a therapy <laughs> session to be honest, but it's what I like and what my clients like. And I've tried to double book myself, but my clients are so funny. They're like, no, I like that one on one time. So every... Every environment, every environment's different, but how I run things in the house since my head injury, it's time for them to disconnect from their reality, spend time with themselves and talk about a third, like if they need me to be a third party to get stuff off their chest, I'm there for them. But then I have to be careful to reserve my energy that I'm not just giving it all away. And then I'm burnt out for the rest of my clients. That's a sticky situation too. Or if we have toxic clients, it can mess up our whole day or how to leave the energy at the salon before you get home. You know, there's a bunch of different topics about this too, but they all flow in. 
So how do you actually manage that that balance? Like yourself, do you have like a morning routine or an evening ritual or something? Like how does it look for you specifically? Um, I actually struggle with really bad insomnia. So I don't usually sleep until like 2 or 3 a.m. So I used to have this bad habit where I'd get up at like 9 and then get ready and go to work. But then I realized every day that I wouldn't make extra time for myself in the morning, I would be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this and this and this. And I get into the salon and of course I need to rip foils and I need to get cotton or I need to clean the bathroom, you know? And I'm like, oh crap. So it'd be like, I need to make extra time so I don't stress myself out. And of course I deal with anxiety. I mean, a lot of people do. That's another thing. So it's like, if you know that that's something that you struggle with, you have to make extra time so you don't add that extra stress to you. So for me, I made it as almost like a tester, like, okay, I'm going to get up a half an hour earlier. And then I'm like, oh no, I need extra time. So I'm going to get up an hour earlier. So I get up an hour earlier. Now I get up, I work out. Um, I'll come back. I make coffee. It's like a fresh press. So it takes like 12 minutes, you know? So I like do other things in the process and then get my food ready. And that's another thing. I really think it's important to meal prep for a salon day. Because again, if we don't prep, we won't eat or we'll order bad food or it's just like whatever we have in the snack room, you know? So like I'll keep a little basket of like trail mix and stuff and then I'll keep it and I'll give it to my clients too because if they're for a color correction, they're going to get hungry. But I also have like a list of Uber Eats that they can order from, you know, whatever. People get hungry. But I do feel like it's important to meal prep. So my morning, get up, I'll mentally kind of walk myself through my day, work out. That's me time. That's my time for me to decompress, mentally prep, meditate or whatever I need to do and get my mind right into going into the day, meal prep, go into the salon early, set up my station, get everything organized. And then I'm like, okay, then my day starts. And then I have like Palo Santos crystals, all that stuff at my shop or whatever I feel like I need. But I do this funny thing. I talked about it, hair love retreat. This is a little thing I think anybody can use. It's protecting your aura. Um, There can be a lot of toxic people in this world, and some people are more in tune, some people aren't. But I feel like as a hairstylist, we're locked in a salon, and we have the public coming in all the time. I picture myself, this is really funny, before I walk into the day, I picture myself almost like surrounded by a big bowl of cotton candy. (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird. Like blue and pink, whatever you picture, just like huge thing of cotton candy, like as my aura, like to protect it. And I think of it, it's just like, okay, poof it out. And it just goes poof. And it like fills me up. And what it is, is because I thought of it as like before, back in the day, I thought of use of like, oh, I have like a bumper car thing up. And then I was talking to someone, she goes, that's not good because you're rebelling people. Cotton candy, everyone wants cotton candy. It's sweet, it's welcoming, it's warming, but all the shit gets caught on the outside. So it doesn't get in the inside. So... Every day in the salon, I picture myself like, all right, it's going to be a sweet ass day and like picture myself poofing with cotton candy. And then you just peel that off at the end of the day when you're leaving the salon, leave it and then go home, you know? And you also, what I, another tip I like to do is after each client, I'll go into the bathroom and wash my hands with soap and water and it'll kind of cleanse the touch off that extra client, even if it was good or bad, just to kind of get my energy right for the next client you know, instead of like dragging it on to the next one. But yeah, I think it's important to kind of protect your energy or just reserve it because there are those things called energy vampires, which they'll just suck your energy out. And it's hard if you're working a 12 hour day and that's your first client, you know, so it's all balance and figuring that out. But uh, you know, you got to do some funny things that work for you. Oh, I love the cotton candy analogy there. (laughs) Very visual. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, it's a great example. So Rachel, other than the cotton candy example, if you were to meet yourself 
when it all kicked off, when you had that first like mental eight months and then moving and setting up his and hers, because there's a lot of people who have gone through that scenario and are still currently going through this scenario. What would you tell yourself if you met yourself then now? Yeah, um, probably try to take care of myself from the beginning, you know, like almost like this is what I wish. Like, and this is something that I've thought about a lot. And I think that it's very important. And this is something that I'm kind of working on is I feel like when it comes to beauty school, I feel like women or or people, men, anyone who's in the industry should get like this awareness from the start. You know, like I wish someone told me that I was going to be a really busy stylist and all that's really great, but you have to make time for yourself and you have to eat. You know, like I wish that that was, or like all the stretches you can do to preserve your hands or your fingers or your body. Um, I think that's really important. I wish, yeah, I kind of wish that it was embedded in my head from day one because I've been doing hair for almost eight years now and I'm still young, but I do have these injuries that do affect me. And I don't know how long I can do hair, which is very sad to say, but I am very strong and I like to believe that. And again, sports mentality, I'm just going to keep going until I can't, you know? But in this process is I know now if I do not take care of myself moving forward, it's going to happen again. And that terrifies me a lot. And I don't want to put that pressure on myself or my friends or my family or anything. You know, I just, life is short. And I've realized that with my dogs or whatever, and you never know what's going to happen, but you don't want to live stressing out the whole time. Like you don't want to be like, Oh my God, I have to, I have to like stretch 24 seven. I have to be vegan. I have to do this. You know, like, no, find a balance in your life and go from there. But I think that would probably be the biggest thing because I do believe that everything in my life has happened for a reason. And even if it's really, really bad, I think it's setting me up, setting me up for something else. And if this head injury didn't happen, I think my sickness or something else would have come out in a different way. Yeah. Even though this was traumatic, I could, it's almost, I can handle my physical pain more than my mental pain. And that's what I wasn't understanding. And that's why it wasn't connected. So that's what made me really think about it. And I have a lot of hairstylist friends that have struggled with, with addiction or mental, or they're like, I'm not coming in today. And it's like, well, why, you know, like you have responsibility. So I think it's really important, but I do believe that for young stylists getting into the industry, like make sure you're taking care of yourself from day one. Don't wait until something bad happens to then take care of yourself. I feel like it should almost be implemented in schools, you know, like a course on that. I totally agree. Maybe in a few years time, you'll be doing it, you know? <laughs> that's, that's my goal is I really believe that it's important to go into these schools and talk and educate them on how important it is. And it's like, hey, again, you don't need to follow what everybody else is doing. You don't need to be a yogi. You don't need whatever works for you, you know, just do it and make it a regular thing. I think sometimes it's kind of like, um, do you know when you keep telling a child not to stand up on a couch because they'll fall and they'll keep doing it and they'll keep doing it until eventually they'll fall and then they learn. The sad thing is sometimes it is one of those things where something does have to happen for you to realize because we like I remember when I was in school, we were quite young and they did talk about this, but no one knew what it was they were talking about. So no one could take it serious because it, it felt superficial and it, it's horrible to say, but no one had ever experienced anything like that. So we didn't know what this was. It, sometimes it actually kind of felt like a free class. So like that is the downside of it sometimes that it does have to actually hit you for you to realize. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's the thing. It's like, I get it. Like people have to go through their own issues. That's why I feel like I can't tell you like top 10 tips to take care of your life, you know, because again, you can find that if you want surface stuff. But that's the biggest part is if you want to enjoy this life, you have to 
really dig within yourself and deal with it because there's trauma that happened as a kid. There's stuff that you've gone through that no one knows, you know, and, and those might be holding you back and whatever, if no one knows, like usually we're the ones that are self-sabotaging ourselves, you know, like, Oh, I'm not good enough. Or I no, she's perfect for that. She's good at doing it. It's like, you don't know how long they've struggled to try to be where they're at, you know, but that's the thing. We don't talk about the struggle part. We just talk about, Hey, look at my highlight reel. Look how dope I am. Look how many places I visited. You know, it's like, no man, like, dude, I would, I went through so much crap before this happened, you know? And I even went through a phase where after my head injury, like a year into it, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. So there's phases where your recovery is not a straight line, you know, and that's totally okay. And I feel like my deepest times is my best lessons I've learned for myself. But again, you have to do it for yourself. Like you said, you have to figure it out and what works for you and what you can't afford to do or what truly, if you want to deal with it or not. Absolutely. So if anyone listening to this episode, and I'm sure there will be many relating to this, can they reach out to you and just have a chat? Is that something you do? Yeah? For sure. (laughs) I love that. I honestly, I always think that things like this are really important because I've been, like, like you said, like I've been trying to get this movement out there for a long time, but I'm one of those that it's like, when it happens, it happens. I'm not like, because mental health and stuff like this is not forced. You can't force it. I don't feel. So there is a time that I feel like everyone should just have a conversation. Like I would love to go to a place and just like talk to everybody, <laughs> you know, like, figure out a way to do that. So I'm like, this is an amazing opportunity. And thank you guys again for being honest and open of letting me share this and showing the importance of how important this is for everybody, not even in the hair industry. You Like your friend, personal training or anyone, even people who do YouTube nowadays, they can work 20 hours a day and not take care of themselves. You know, like we don't know nowadays in this world, we're in a massive shift in our life and our world with technology and we're just going to keep working, 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 you know, it's not all about that, you know? So that's kind of the balance or the rhythm of life, I guess. Absolutely. Well, listen, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us on the show and sharing your story. And I hope that people out there will be able to, I suppose, find their own feet, that they're not stuck alone and that they can talk about this with other people and they can actually reach out to Rachel as well. Yeah, please. I am. I always say I'm like, I'm so much better in person. I love talking to people. I'm bad with text and stuff, but like, I'll talk to anybody all day. I just love it. Great stuff. Well, you can check out Rachel's reach on Instagram and get involved. Share your story. Rachel, thanks so much again for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thinking of switching salon software companies, but fear the migration process? How long will it take? What happens to my staff and clients details or my roster? Look, when you sign up for Forest Salon Software, it's our mission to transfer your data from your previous provider smoothly and safely onto your new one, us. Manage, market, and grow your business with Forest Salon Software. Visit forest.com for more details. So that was Rachel Ringwood, owner of His and Hers Parlor, but also a mental health advocate with Rachel's Reach, which is the uh, campaign that Rachel has been pushing out there. And I have to say, she shared her vulnerability with us today on the show about her story and why it's so important to look after your mental and physical well-being, especially for someone that's up and coming in the salon. It's so easy to get caught in a rat race when you're young, when you think you're invincible. And then there's like this one thing that happens, changes your life around. Uh, I was actually, you know, someone recently said, it's it's crazy how one person can change your life for the good or for the, the worse. But I think that sometimes that person is you. And until you realize that, I think that 
you're you're kind of like a, a weapon against yourself almost if you don't take care of yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, like you get you get tunnel visioned. You see a goal and you're saying, right, nothing's going to get in my way. Now, it's a great attitude to have a lot of the time that you see a goal, you um, work towards that goal. And like I said, don't let anything get in the way. But because you're so tunnel visioned, you actually forget about yourself. You forget about, is my body able to keep up with this? You're essentially running on empty. You're, what do they say, like burning the candle at both ends and you're just going to end up becoming run down. Yeah, well, it's that whole hustler mentality. And I think that social media, especially in this day and age, has just made it kind of worse because everybody, you just see everybody doing so many good things and you're just like, well, I want to do the same thing. So I'm going to push and push and push. And then you don't actually take the time to relax and kind of breathe even. <laughs> and that's a serious buzzword that's come about in the last few years, hustle. I think that was like Gary Vaynerchuk, who was like the first person I really kind of heard going on about how you have to be hustling, you have to, have to, have to. And then ever since he kind of became really big on the scene with all those videos, all you hear from everyone is hustle. You have to hustle, you have to hustle. I'm like, <laughs> when is it one hustle too much that you end up kind of fainting in your kitchen? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's just about working smart not working hard, you know? It's funny you say that because I said that exact same thing to someone at the weekend. It goes to show how in sync we are, Zoe. But um, it was talking about kind of hard working and how our parents always told us you had to work hard, you had to get a really good job, et cetera, et cetera. But as you get older, you realize that working hard doesn't actually get you anywhere. It's working smart. So as we mentioned in uh, our goodbyes with Rachel on the show, if any of you guys listening to this want to reach out to her, you can send her a message or reach out through hashtag Rachel's Reach on Instagram. And uh, yeah, she's looking forward to hearing from you guys and sharing her story more and more. So uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on any initiatives uh, along the way. So in terms of events coming up soon... We've quite a few coming up, I see. I'm going to kick it off with the Forest Academy. As we've already said a few times now, that we've announced the early access launch of Forest Academy, your one-stop education shop. With Forest Academy, if you are interested in enrolling in this, you could email forestfm at forest.com and just say Forest Academy, or you can email training at forest.com. So what exactly is it? It's an online learning portal for the fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught training courses covering each and every area of your forest system. And you can get Forest Academy certified too. So in terms of events, you've heard Abigail Walsh talk about conscious hair and beauty. And I suppose with the damage to our environment and the increase of plastic waste being an ever-growing concern, and I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but recently, just like a week ago, Mexico got a hailstorm that left a meter of ice on the roads everywhere, which is like completely unusual for Mexico, obviously. Um, so yes, definitely big concern uh, for our environment here. And, you know, becoming more knowledgeable about the products we use, our actions, our habits, it's key in discovering how we can make friendlier choices for the environment, but also uh, for ourselves. So Conscious Hair and Beauty by Forest Salon Software, it gives the opportunity for like-minded salon owners and managers to network, but also learn about the importance of sustainability and wellness in the fast-paced world of hair and beauty salons. So this is taking place on Sunday, August 18th, 2019. 
It's at a lovely venue in London. If you want to check out our blog, we have the full address there. And our first announced speaker is Dr. Denise Baden, Professor of Sustainable Business at Southampton Business School, University of Southampton. So the tickets are now on sale. You can get yours through the link that's in this episode's show notes. And uh, before we let you go, uh, as usual, just a quick reminder, the Salon Management course, you can still sign up for that. It's a six-week online course hosted by Valerie Delforge, and it's designed to help develop your managerial skills. And then you also have the Salon Mentorship Hub. So if you're struggling with anything at all and you just want a 15 to 30 minute chat with a coach or a consultant, you can head over to salonmentors.forest.com and book your free consultation there. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, please send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.